0: This is a WTOP original podcast.
1: From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. We told you we'd talk on this episode about the Capitol riot investigation, but something's come up, so we need to take a detour. The doctor that treated Alexei Navalny in Russia after he was poisoned by the FSB died suddenly last week, and now we're learning what might be behind his death.
2: So I, I believe that this doctor just knew too much. Uh, he was uh, just doing uh, what he, he was told to do, I guess, uh, just uh, uh, get rid of any traces uh, of any poison of this Novichok. And uh, uh, probably it's uh, just too risky to keep him alive because, again, this person knows too much.
1: It's no secret that Russia is a dangerous place. Thousands of protesters supporting Alexei Navalny found out the hard way.
2: Over 12,000 people are in jail, and actually, in Moscow, there was not enough uh, prisons. And uh, basically, the Russian authorities created uh, a like a new type of Gulag.
1: We talk about that and much more with the president of the Free Russia Foundation, Natalia Arno. What will happen to Navalny? What will happen to the Russian government? And what does it mean for the U.S.? Coming up on this edition of Target USA. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. No doubt, by now, you know the story of Alexei Navalny. If you don't, here's a quick version he's a Russian opposition leader in politics, and he has been going against Vladimir Putin for many years. And he was poisoned last year, went to Germany to get treatment. He has now returned to Russia, surprising his supporters and Vladimir Putin. Now there is concern he might be killed in prison. Last week we learned that the doctor that treated him, and for all intents and purposes that saved his life in Russia before he was evacuated to Germany to get treatment for being poisoned with a Novichok. That doctor died suddenly. And on this program, we learned his death was probably no accident. Natalia Arno, president of the Free Russia Foundation, is no stranger to corruption in Russia and fighting it. And she joins us on this program. Natalia, let's please start with the latest news. Dr. Sergei Maximishin, who was in charge of treating Alexei Navalny in Russia uh, right after he was poisoned, died suddenly supposedly of a heart attack, I'm not sure. Tell us what you know about this.
2: Not much, it's just um, a developing story. Um, we learned that uh, the doctor who was uh, treating Navalny in Omsk hospital, yes, suddenly died. Uh, and uh, uh, But at the same time, it's not very surprising. As we know, there is a, an entire um, uh, hit team uh, that was um, um, connected to Navalny's uh, poisoning uh, in August of uh, 2020, uh, but also connected to the poisoning of our <laughs> Vice President of the Foundation, Vladimir Karamorza Advice, um, connected to the um, very mysterious um, deaths of uh, other people. Uh, like recently, Belencat also discovered at least three uh, people uh, died for, from the so-called heart failures, uh, two activists, one journalist, uh, in 2014, and 2015, and 2019, mm-hmm. and uh, the common denominator was uh, that uh, in uh, their trips and their like um, uh, or their activities, uh, the same people from that. Um, hit team, Uh, they were shadowing uh, these people, or they were in those areas. And uh, after that, that uh, sudden death uh, happened. Um, Some people, like one uh, journalist from North Caucasus, he was only 26 years old, uh, very healthy, he was going to attend his mother's uh, concerts but on the way to this uh, concert to this performance he just he never made it there and the next day his uh, dead body was uh, found uh, but also it's just uh, murders as a tool to silence uh, dissent is uh, a very Mm-hmm. Usual tool By the Kremlin We see different uh, Type of uh, Murders uh, uh, We saw of course This uh, polonium uh, Poisoning of Alexander Litvinenko In 2006 In London yeah. Or Stripal poisoning uh, In March of 2018 In um, in London Yes uh, With Novichok yeah. Already when It's the first time When we heard this name <laughs> uh, But then More and more Novichok poisonings uh, Were um, determined uh, Some um, Critics of uh, Putin's regime Or very often Of Regime regime in um, the republic of chechnya they were uh, shot uh, or um, had, like in berlin or in vienna mm-hmm. not only in in russia right and uh, uh, but also uh, as soon as pandemic started uh, we saw that a few uh, doctors or some activists they were uh, just uh, they fell out of the windows <laughs> and uh, so yeah. but they were telling the truth numbers about the um, uh, yeah. deaths from COVID when the Russia, the Russian state was silencing this number saying like we don't have big effect of the pandemic.
1: Yeah, Natalia, there is no doubt in the minds of those who follow activities in Russia that there is something suspicious about many of these deaths, all of those deaths that you mentioned. And there's definitely, at, at the very least, the likelihood that they were all, they all died of foul play. And I want to ask you specifically about Dr. Maximishin. Um, you know, he had a, a role in Navalny's treatment, and there was another man. Um, and I find all of this very interesting. We talked about this some time ago. Um, Navalny was taken to the Omsk clinic from the Tomsk airport, or you know, he'd left from Tomsk, uh, and that airport is owned by somebody that's close to somebody that's close to Vladimir Putin and that person has the FSB at his beck and call. And it's the FSB we should remember that poisoned Navalny. So the important thing, correct me if I'm wrong, is the chief physician at the OMS clinic was Alexander Murakovsky, who claimed initially, if I remember correctly, that Navalny wasn't poisoned. So Dr. Maximishin, whether deliberately or not, managed to keep Navalny alive so that he could be evacuated that seems to me in the way things happen in russia could be grounds for you to suddenly have a heart attack
2: <laughs> yeah it's all very suspicious of course and uh, uh, the um, chief uh, doctor who was uh, the one who was at all the press conferences and no we cannot find any traces of any poisoning uh, he of course uh, is fine <laughs> and uh, yeah. uh, he's a member of the United R- Russia ruling party and he does uh, everything what is I guess he's ordered to do and so he, this person is fine but the person who actually was a doctor who was actually was connected to the treatment to actually what uh, Navalny uh, after his poisoning uh, he was in the OMS clinic for uh, over two days and his family his colleagues were trying uh, to um, to to relocate him to uh, Germany uh, already uh, Germans already sent the plane uh, to get him there, but he wasn't allowed to leave and uh, uh, so what uh, again and our understanding is that uh, this uh, team of doctors are um, under a very close surveillance from FSB uh, where they were trying to get rid of any traces. So I, I believe that this doctor just knew too much. Uh, he was uh, just doing uh, what he, he was told to do, I guess, uh, just uh, uh, get rid of any traces uh, of any poison of this novichok. And uh, uh, probably it's uh, just too risky to keep him alive because, again, this person knows too much.
1: Yeah, that is just really a sad thing, a sad commentary. That is the way it seems to be uh, in Vladimir Putin's Russia today. Let's talk about about uh, the situation uh, involving um, uh, Alexei Navalny. He returned to Russia. A lot of people were surprised by that. Were you surprised?
2: Yes, I was surprised. I think uh, many of his uh, colleagues and supporters were surprised. We. Um, uh, on the one hand of course we knew that he will come back it uh, wasn't uh, the news the return itself wasn't uh, the news and uh, maybe uh, the choice of the date was uh, a big surprise uh, because uh, we believed he needed some more time for his um, just uh, treatment and uh, coming back to like being completely healthy recovering from that terrible poisoning of this uh, chemical weapon and uh, military grade chemical weapon and uh, So I would say the choice of the date was a surprise, but the fact that he wanted to go back to Russia wasn't a news, wasn't a a surprise, because he's a Russian politician, and if um, he's declaring himself and he's um, recognized as a leader of the Russian uh, pro-democracy forces, of the Russian opposition, he, of course, uh, is he needs to be in Russia he it's very difficult to be in exile and be a politician he needs to be mm-hmm. to share all the risks that all Russian people are sharing uh, uh, countering this uh, yeah. big repressive machinery and uh, um, we didn't of course we, we were not surprised that uh, he was immediately imprisoned um, uh, we believed maybe some, some of us didn't know what exactly he's going to get is he going to be under house arrest, or maybe almost nobody thought that he would be completely released, completely free. Uh, but uh, the real term, this sentence um, uh, uh, to 2.8 man, uh, years in, in jail, um, I cannot say surprised, but uh, this is where the entire logic of how the things are developing in Russia is going. Uh, we have uh, more and more repressive. Uh, Uh, machinery, uh, and uh, this is uh, what the Russian authorities are going to do. They cannot risk the parliamentary elections, upcoming parliamentary elections in September uh, of 2021. Uh, They need to silence absolutely everybody. There are a lot of people who are in jail in um, many regions. Um, Just uh, during uh, these last two weeks, uh, when we had biggest uh, unsanctioned rallies in Russia since the collapse of the Soviet Union, Um, Over 12,000 people are in jail. And actually, in Moscow, there was not enough uh, prisons. And uh, basically, the Russian authorities created uh, a a new type gulag um, near Moscow, and all these political prisoners are there now in absolutely difficult, uh, terrible conditions uh, when a cell is uh, is supposed to have only 8 people, there are like 28 people, they're deprived of uh, food, of water, of uh, anything of uh, medical um, treatment uh, because many of them were like so brutally beaten, battered and uh, just uh, the level of um, repression, the level of brutality and violence is completely unprecedented for Russia. We can compare only with uh, Belarus and uh, especially August events in Belarus after presidential elections there. But uh, as uh, many Russian commentators were saying, like um, a TV Rain, an independent media outlet, they tweeted and they said that on February 2, uh, 2021, it was the day of Navalny's trial when he was sentenced to real term. Uh, They they tweeted that uh, today uh, Russia became a part of the Republic of Belarus, again, just meaning that the same level of repressions.
1: That's Natalia Arno, president of the Free Russia Foundation. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment.
0: Hey, y'all. It's them. It's Jayden. It's Carly Hansen. It's Oliver Tree. What's going on? It's Ian Dior. We all know Valentine's Day is the most romantic time of the year. Whatever. (laughs) My friends and I are about to turn the whole holiday upside down in our new scripted holiday series, Valentine's Day in Hell. First we spent Halloween in hell. Now you're invited to be a part of our next musical podcast from our In Hell series. (laughs) This time around, the devil is playing games with all of our hearts trying to ruin our Valentine's Day plans by dragging us down to the depths of hell. In each episode, you're going to hear new original music from artists like Ian Dior, Jaden, Carly Hansen, and me. No. Tune into the Valentine's Day in Hell comedy horror musical podcast. Subscribe for full episodes, bonus material, and original music. This February, check out Valentine's Day in Hell. Brought to you by Audio Up and Podcast One. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you you listen to podcasts
1: back now on target USA with Natalia Arno and we're talking about Alexei Navalny's return to Russia and what it means for Russia and the rest of the world so you know looking at this situation that is a horrible circumstance with this makeshift gulag uh, being uh, put together uh, and all of these people uh, in the name of freedom in the name of trying to live uh, comfortable decent lives uh, and li- lives uh, in a democratic place, you know, have sacrificed themselves to this degree, uh, and many people have died, as you've mentioned. As you look at what uh, Navalny finds himself in now, which is a prison cell very clearly, that's probably one of the most watched prison cells, uh, prisons now in the world. Um, what What are your concerns regarding, you know, his safety? Um, do you think that... that uh, you know, something that he said actually before when he was arrested was, and I am not going to commit suicide in prison may have been a big thing um, to uh, put people on notice that if anything happened to him, he did not do it himself. So how do you assess his safety?
2: Well, he's not safe at all. Of course, uh, he said it himself. He has warning everybody that, uh, yes, he doesn't have any plans to commit a suicide. So, um But at the same time, the attention of the entire world is, uh, yes, on this prison. Everybody is calling Putin or um, uh, publishing uh, resolutions and statements and uh, letters and petitions. uh, And uh, it's a lot of attention to that. Uh, But at the same time, you know, before the murder of Boris Nemtsov in 2015, We would argue that, well, if you are very well-known, if you are famous, if everybody knows you, you are probably protected because, again, it's too much of attention, too risky for the Kremlin, probably too much damage to, like, Murder you or do something to you. That's maybe that's why Navalny wasn't uh, in prison for like for long terms. Previously he would get like 30 days or like 10 days. But of course, if uh, to combine all his prison terms, it would be like I think more than a year uh, totally uh, since during all these years. But right now they again, uh, all the, he also himself uh, raised all these stakes, uh, and uh, the Russian authorities respond even uh, even more brutally with more repressions and that's why again a bigger longer term uh, prison term for him he is definitely the most famous political prisoner in russia right now and of course it doesn't mean that we should forget all other political prisoners just before this uh, protest we had uh, 350 political prisoners Uh, and right now memorial uh, which is a human rights organization that uh, uh, keeps track of all the political prisoners just doesn't have time to to include everybody who is uh, Again, uh, in jail for this um, political reasons. Uh, so, we'll soon see even a bigger number, much bigger number than 350. We shouldn't, of course, forget about all of them, including the uh, longest term serving person, uh, Alexei Pichugin, who is in jail, I think, already like 16 years. And uh, it's like he's still paying his price um, to. For for that he didn't want to to lie um, and before Navalny I would say I would compare him with Mikhail Khodorkovsky who was such a like high level political prisoner of Putin's Russia now it's Navalny and it's a huge of course huge problem and again as I said after the murder of like brazen murder of Boris Nemtsov we cannot even say that he is protected just because he's famous anything can happen to him if the, if Putin decides so.
1: What is your organization uh, saying and doing right now to assist?
2: Well, we are trying to raise this issue as much as we can. We are doing a lot of awareness campaign. We did some Twitter storms. Uh, There is a current um, uh, visit of uh, basically the minister of foreign affairs of the European Union, Joseph Borrell to Russia. And uh, we really wanted him to visit Navalny in prison um, but instead, um, he he was told uh, by Lavrov, uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs of Russia, that if you need if you wanted to visit Navalny, we are a different agency. We are just a Ministry of Foreign Affairs. We don't so- decide such things. Uh, you should. Uh, Mm, you should uh, contact uh, the prison agency and uh, of course it's just bullshit it's like uh, as everything <laughs> they do uh, and even more so a few uh, European um, diplomats were uh, deported from Russia because uh, the Kremlin believes they by somehow participating in this um, rallies uh, in support of Navalny. So what the Kremlin does, they do it again very brazenly, very openly. They like to humiliate everybody, including um, their European counterparts. And uh, I just think um, what we are trying to do is we are trying to uh, explain to Europe that um, and to uh, to the free world, to the US, to any country that uh, Putin is not legitimate any longer. Um, during all his years in, in um, while he's ruling uh, Russia over 20 years now, uh, elections were not ever free and fair. But uh, let's remember, okay, let's forget our previous years, uh, but let's remember 2018 when, uh, when he was running again, uh, uh, the, his two major opponents, uh, who could be uh, candidates, who could be, who could actually win, uh, Boris Nemtsov and Alexei Navalny. Well, what he did to his uh, biggest uh, opponents, uh, Boris Nemtsov was assassinated near the Kremlin with six bullets. Uh, Navalny was banned back then, uh, and again, all those other candidates were just not real candidates. Um, uh, and but even more so, last. Um, uh, last uh, last summer in July, uh, Putin basically circumvented the Russian Constitution by um, introducing like so many amendments, including cancellation of presidential terms. He basically turned Russia in, into monarchy. And after that, uh, we believe he is not a legitimate uh, leader at all. And uh, we we believe that all Western uh, democracies should. Uh, be like openly saying about that That again and no deal should be made to, to putin while he's again he's a counter party for them um so what we call for is uh to recognize his uh, illegitimacy and uh, uh, but also uh, just increase sanctions for such things because uh, like again poisoning brutality against protesters for spreading corruption, cryptocracy to, to, and all these uh, disinformation campaigns, election meddling, everything else. just be tougher, be more um, proactive. Um, and also what we are saying that sanctions are uh, effective when they are timely, when they are like exactly when they the Kremlin understands why they are punished and for what otherwise when it's like nice, nice, uh, just again it cannot be uh, uh, business as usual with with Putin any longer. This is what mm. we are trying.
1: To, to explain Natalia, I guess one more main question. One of the real problems that we've discovered in, in our research um, on target USA and you know I've, I've spoken to a lot of people over the last few years uh, about this. And this is the, the problem that um, there are so many people wrapped up in Russia's dirty money. Yes. Some of them are politicians and business people and y- you name it, whatever line of work. I mean, all over the place, including here in the U.S. How does that part of the problem get fixed? Because this is, I think, when you have politicians, you know, and I certainly have seen people like Bill Browder talking about this in the U.K. Uh, and others here in the U.S. Anders Osland has talked about it here in the U.S., Uh, There are so many people that are caught in this web of dirty money that leads straight to leadership in some countries that it's hard to extricate the governments uh, that need to do what it is that you were saying to punish Russia uh, from the web of this money because of the important and powerful people who may be in these governments that may won't maybe may not allow this these these governments to punish Russia. So how does you fix how do you fix that?
2: Yeah, it's, a, it's a key question actually um, And first of all I need to um, Make this clear distinction Between uh, Russia and Putin's Russia Russia and the Kremlin uh, Because yeah. again Russia is all all the people Very nice people It's absolutely yes. talented and Russia is a great country But right now it's occupied by this uh, uh, Basically now fascist regime Is turning into fascist regime More and more unfortunately um, And kleptocratic And all the, all the other stuff But um, uh, first of all, yes, differentiate between them and punish the Kremlin. Don't punish Russia, Russian people. But the other thing is, uh, which is very important, what you said is uh, what we are trying to say, uh, that uh, we will deal with Putin ourselves. We will deal with the regime again. And our goal is not just Russia without Putin, but Russia without Putinism, without this uh, system. Uh, The Soviet Union was... uh, Terrible uh, entity. Um, and um, uh, Putin actually was able to reestablish and even so called improve all the worst features of the Soviet Union censorship, propaganda, political and economic monopoly. Um, KGB dominance and so on. And uh, we'll we'll have to deal with it ourselves. It's a very big way, as, as again, as a uh, russian in opposition leader, Boris Nemtsov, used to say, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. But we are doing that. What we are always asking, uh, talking to our Western colleagues, we are saying, again, don't enable them. This is, again, what uh, our Vice President Vladimir Karamazov always says. It's uh, always like a two sides of one coin or one medal, uh, it's um, uh, if somebody... exports, there is another party that imports. And uh, probably the biggest export from Russia is not uh, gas or oil, it's the export of corruption. And all this money that the Kremlin steals from the Russian people, they spend it in the West, especially in Europe. Uh, They like to send their children uh, to Western schools. They like to use uh, Western accounts. Uh, They build palaces uh, in Italy, in Miami, (laughs) in London, and so on and so forth. And it's actually, it depends on political will of the West. It's very easy to, again, keep question, follow like key, key, uh, key, uh, course of action, follow the money. <laughs> and as soon as you do that, it's very possible just to get rid of this dictatorship in, uh, nowadays in modern Europe, in, in, in Belarus and in Russia. Uh, these regimes are in power only because they have this uh, dirty money. Um, And it's not only the question of just Russia, because uh, uh, they are just very aggressive to their own populations, their own citizens, all these domestic repressions. No, this, especially the Kremlin, they are very active globally. And so it's uh, like a very, it's very it's a key interest of the national security of, of the West, um, uh, the, just to counter that because uh, with this dirty money these operations are possible. all This. Uh, uh, Syria events or uh, annexation of Crimea or uh, election interference uh, meddling in many countries in the US and in many European countries or so anything else, any disinformation campaigns, any uh, influence operations, they are possible only with this dirty money. And it's uh, again, it's in uh, the Western interest just to stop that. Just They need the political will to do that.
1: Last thing, Natalia. Yeah. In the last few years... Certainly, the last four years, the U.S. did little to push back against Russian aggression, and uh, did nothing really to uh, stop Russia from 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 its its activities, from from hacking to election meddling to poisonings, uh, bounties on U.S. troops. There are organizations in this country, like yours, that speak out and have spoken out bravely against. Uh, the Russian regime and you you're quite right this is not about the Russian people because they're it's a beautiful country and the people are beautiful um, but there are corrupt leaders there your organization and others have spoken out against them was there a time in the last few years where you felt at risk here in this country because of the ability and we know that Russia has people here the the Russian government has people here were there were there times when you felt at risk where your team felt at risk
2: um we feel at risk of course all the time uh it doesn't matter where we are because again as we know the the tentacles of the kremlin are very long and very deep uh, and they can do anything uh, anywhere in any country so you cannot be safe um, even being in the u.s or in europe or anywhere of course, but at the same time, we are not as uh, as in danger as our Russian activists who are inside Russia. And, of course, understanding their situation, uh, which just for us, it's much more easier. We, and that gives us most motivation to continue fighting because they keep fighting there. And we being in Western democracies, of course, we should do even more because we can. Uh, I would say I, w- I was more probably more um, feeling more uh, in danger uh, Basically it's the European Parliament in Brussels yeah. <laughs> where there were so many um Agents uh, and the propaganda soldiers uh, of the Kremlin. Um, remember a few years ago we released a report about uh, Kadyrov's regime, and Kadyrov is basically Putin's headman. Uh, he has a license for political murders. So he is implicated, and uh, we believe strongly, in the murder of Boris Nemtsov, and um, it's his team that did all, all this and organized everything. And, of course, nobody is... Um, um, all these masterminds, organizers are not even, uh, so there is no investigation, uh, fair investigation inside Russia on that. Um, so uh, I would say that it was probably the most uh, time when I felt in biggest danger uh, when we were releasing that report. Um but uh, even recently when we had a rally of support of uh, Russian protesters uh, and we had it in Borisov Plaza that we were able to establish a few years ago uh, in front of the Russian embassy in Washington, D.C., um, uh, there were some uh, uh, media outlets uh, that uh, looked like, seemed like very uh, valid, uh, real outlets uh, that were covering this rally. Uh, they introduced themselves as an American uh, channel. They we, we gave interview to them because just we wanted to explain what we are doing, why we are protesting. But later the report um, about that appeared on Raptly, which is a pro-Kremlin media outlet. So uh, again, they they're doing that all the time. So um, they're not really journalists; they are just propaganda people. And mm-hmm. uh, we are very thankful to some countries that uh, stand up. Um, Oh, bravely uh, to that uh, actions, uh, malign actions uh, like Lithuania for example, they understand it very well and they make a clear distinctions with uh, journalism respecting uh, freedom of speech but at the same time understanding that uh, journalism and propaganda is absolutely different things and they have no <laughs> um, shy to just to deport those uh, propaganda people from their country uh, so we really appreciate that mm-hmm. mm, yeah Right. We are very worried about the, about Russian activists. We see that there will be a lot of criminal cases everywhere. All the infrastructural projects will be stopped. Uh, any, like um, Again, it's a very, very dangerous situation there. We hope that there is attention, the Western attention to that, to, to those who are inside Russia who keep uh, uh, demanding changes. And uh, this is what actually Navalny did with, the, with his act uh, coming back to Russia That to say, like, uh, don't be afraid. Uh, Fear is basically the main glue that uh, kept uh, Soviet Union in power for so many years. Uh, Fear is the main substance substance that uh, keep Putin in power for more than 20 years. And it's very important that people... um, the people stop uh, fearing them <laughs> and um, those who want uh, changes, who like our country, who love it with all our hearts, who want uh, Russia to live better. It's much more of us. And uh, yes, we should just stop stop being afraid.
1: All right. Natalia Arno, president of the Free Russia Foundation. Thank you for your work and uh, thank you for your time on our program today and uh, best to you and your team. And I know this is a difficult uh, lift for you and your team in Russia. Uh, the folks that are there, and Mr. Katamurza, whom I've spoken to as well from time to time. Um, I know this is a difficult time, but it's better than it was. And this is the thing that I think most folks have gotten from Navalny going back to Russia and being arrested, is that there are people out there that are behind him, and he has enough leverage to get the attention of the Russian uh, regime. So um, you have been a big part of that. So thank you for your time and for your work. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode of Target USA. We will be back again next week, and this time we will have a look at the Capitol riot investigation and the latest developments, including a look at March 4th. That's now being offered by the QAnon conspiracy theorist as the date that former President. Donald Trump will triumphantly return to Washington and reclaim the presidency. We will take a look at that. In the meantime, if you have questions or comments about the program, send me an email at jgreen@wtop.com. at W-t-o-p.com. That's the letter J, the color green, that's one word, at WhiskeyTangoOscarPapa.com. Jay Green at WTOP.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast, and we'd ask as well that you follow us on Twitter. We're at Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. If you want more information about national security, sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash alerts. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Deep within the bowels of hell, the devil scrolls through Instagram and TikTok looking for fresh souls to enslave.
0: Yo, 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 what's up, my jits? It's your boy, Jaden Extra, here with some... Who
1: are these people? Easy pickings for possession, your Lord Darkness. Uh, they're truly unbearable. (laughs) I believe they refer themselves as influencers. Do you have anyone particular in mind? Hmm.
0: (laughs) Money, money, money! Him! My numbers are way down, babe. I need to change it up. Didn't you see that Halloween video Machine Gun Kelly made with the devil? He's like huge now, all because he sold his soul to the devil. This could be my big chance. I'm not having this conversation. It's wrong, Jaden, and it's evil. I'm done with the drama, fam. Just leave, all right? And you're not coming to Kava with me. I hate you! Hey, y'all. It's Ben. What's up? It's Jaden. What's up? It's Carly Hansen. Hey, y'all. It's Oliver Tree. Yo, what's going on? It's Ian Dior. We all know Valentine's Day is the most romantic time of the year. Whatever. My friends and I are about to turn the whole holiday upside down in our new scripted holiday series, Valentine's Day in Hell. Are you familiar with the work of Anton LaVey? Is he on TikTok? No, he's not on TikTok, you dumbass. Anton Zandor LaVey. He's the dude who founded the Church of Satan. I'm starting to fear that maybe you're messing with powers that are far beyond your cognitive comprehension, Jaden. I got it, bro. I've seen a version of this movie 20 times. You're like the badass demon hunter, and I'm just some little jit who is messing around with things he doesn't understand... And in the end, I'll get all messed up, and it will be up to you to, like, save me. First, we spent Halloween in Hell. Now, you're invited to be a part of our next musical podcast from our In Hell series. This time around, the devil is playing games with all of our hearts, trying to ruin our Valentine's Day plans by dragging us down to the fiery inferno in the deepest depths of hell.
1: Demons place a hood over Jaden and escort him to hell.
0: This is your fault, Oliver. I know Jaden came to you for help. Satan has picked Jaden for some reason. Now it's up to us to make this right. So who's with me? I'm with you, Oliver. I'll go. What about you, sad girl? I'll kill some people if that's what you want. Then that leaves you, Clappy. Count me here, Oliver. Besides, I ain't got nothing to do might as well spend my Valentine's Day in hell. In each episode, you're going to hear new original music from artists like Ian Dior, Jaden, Carly Hansen, and me, yeah, this love sucks. Subscribe to the Valentine's Day in Hell podcast for full episodes, bonus material, and original music. This February, check out Valentine's Day in Hell. Brought to you by Audio Up and Podcast One. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.